The Prodigal Son, a story about forgiveness, grace and resurrection. Isn't it? Well, maybe. But perhaps it's about something more immediate. Perhaps it's about the people who are right in front of us that we have lost, but just don't know it yet. Hi, I'm Stuart Cutler and it's my pleasure to welcome you today. I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us from wherever you are. As always, I'd ask you to like, subscribe and follow so that you don't miss anything. But also check out the website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk for more information about who we are and what happens here at St Ninians so that you can get involved. There's also some information at the end so make sure to keep watching and listening. Today I'm delighted to be joined in leading worship by one of the spiritual care chaplains from a local hospital. She and her colleagues have been working hard to look after those in hospital, their families and all of the staff, especially over these past two years of the COVID pandemic. She also happens to be my wife, Avril. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 15 verses 1 to 3 and 11 to 32. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of your property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and travelled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Is this a story about a son asking for his inheritance before his father has died? That's a shameful thing to do, right? Is it about a young man who goes off and wastes the money on wild living? Is it about the realisation that he would be better off at home? There's something in here about pigs being dirty and smelly and very non-Jewish. Is it about the father's waiting and generous forgiveness? Is it about the older brother's inability to forgive his younger brother? And we try to work out if this story is about God. Is he the father? And which son are we? And all of that's fine. I've preached those sermons, all of them. I've projected those meanings onto the story and the great fathers of the church have too. Across the centuries we have Christianised this parable because it was told by Jesus. Jesus told it so, well that means it must be about Christian things. It must be about forgiveness. It must be about resurrection. It must be about grace. And that's not wrong. But... In Lent so far, we've heard about Jesus' temptation with the three big lies. We've seen him speak about wishing he could gather people together like a mother hen would gather her unruly chicks to protect them. And last week, Anne talked about a difficult passage where Jesus takes on the question of why bad things happen to good people. So what's the thing that connects those stories? I wonder if it's the realisation that simple answers just aren't realistic. Jesus resists the three temptations and, and that's over, right? The tempter goes off to wait for another opportunity. It's not over by a long way. The people don't want to be gathered and protected like chicks. In fact, they want the very opposite. They want rid of the mother hen so they can do what they want. There are no easy answers for why bad things happen. Just a parable about a fig tree with no fruit that might get cut down but gets one last chance. Perhaps the connection between these stories is complexity. Life isn't straightforward, nothing is neat. To make the point, Jesus gives us this messy story about a father with two sons. But this story doesn't come alone. It's the third of three stories about lost things. The first is a story about a lost sheep. One of the 100 sheep gets lost and the shepherd leaves the 99 to search for it and rejoices when he finds it. The second story is about a widow who has ten coins. That's all she has. She loses one of them and searches the whole household. She eventually finds it and invites her neighbours in to celebrate. And then there's this story about... Well, about what? We call it the prodigal son. Prodigal means recklessly wasteful. So sure, it's partly what the story is about. But it's not the only thing. It comes as the third of these lost stories... So perhaps we should call it the lost son, and sometimes it is. But even that seems to miss out most of the story. And there's a problem. The son we called lost never is. He's perhaps the only person in the story who knows where he is at all times. Maybe we're looking at this from the wrong end. The sheep in the first story doesn't know it's lost. 
neither does the coin in the second story. So maybe we should call them the parable of the shepherd who lost a sheep and the parable of the widow who lost a coin. And that would lead us to the man who lost his son. And that, I think, is getting somewhere with this story. A father has two sons, and it turns out both of them were lost. The father just doesn't know it yet. The Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, is littered with stories about fathers who had two sons. Adam had two sons, Cain and Abel. Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob had, well, Jacob had several sons, with Leah and with Rachel, who were sisters. Jacob was in love with Rachel, but was tricked into marrying Leah. The sons he had with Leah hated the two sons he had with Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. A father had two sons. Oh, this isn't going to end well. It never has. Cain murdered Abel. Ishmael, a wild man, was sent away because his father preferred Isaac. Their descendants have been at war pretty much ever since. Jacob tricked his father and stole Esau's birthright. And things don't go well for Joseph. He gets beaten, sold into slavery and ends up in jail. A father had two sons and he loses them both. This is a parable about the complexity of family life. The first son asks for his inheritance now. I've heard them repeated that this was an outrageous thing to ask. It turns out that it probably wasn't. It's true that this was a society based on a code of honour and shame, but people asked for their share up front all the time. It's a bit like the bank of mum and dad these days. What's probably worth more of a look is the father's response. The father gives the younger son his share of the property. Is that great parenting? Jesus himself asks, if your child asks for bread, which one of you would give them a snake? Of course you wouldn't. But sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Would giving your child a whole load of money be a good thing or a bad thing? It depends. Sometimes it would, but sometimes it wouldn't. Is this one of those times where the, the father's trying to buy his son's affection? Or placate him or keep him happy? Sure, have your share, all of it, there you go. It seems as though the father had lost the younger son a long time before he walks away. When the younger man comes to his senses, he returns home to the father, who runs out to greet him. Welcome home, a ring for his finger and the best robe. Just as Joseph had been given by Pharaoh. Kill the fatted calf, let's celebrate. Do you notice what's missing? Forgiveness. The young son doesn't ask, and the father doesn't mention it. It might seem like it's there between the words, but nobody says it out loud. The younger son is home because he calculates that he'd be better off. What if he isn't sorry? What if he hasn't changed? And what if the father is still trying to buy his son's affection? A father has two sons. Oh, that's right. He has two sons. So why did we ignore one of them? I wonder how many siblings have thought that. The older son is an afterthought. He's literally left out of the story. We find him working in the field. He comes home from another hard day and notices there's a party going on. He calls one of the slaves to find out what's happening. It seems like the younger son wasn't the only one who was lost. The father doesn't even send someone to get his oldest son. The father doesn't include him. He doesn't even notice that his son isn't there. And when his father eventually speaks to the older son, it doesn't get any better. 
The older son airs his grievances. He never calls the man his father. He calls his brother this son of yours. The older brother knows where he is. I've been right here, all the time, right here in front of you. I've been working hard for you all of this time and you didn't notice me. A father had two sons and he lost them both. So what is this story about? The writer Amy Jill Levine suggests this. What if, just for a moment, we hold back on the idea that this is a story about repentance and forgiveness? What does that leave us with? Perhaps it leaves us with a plea to look and really see the people who are right in front of us. Who might be lost in our household? In the three parables there is celebration when the lost is found. Perhaps we should do what we can to share in the joy of finding so that others might be recovered or never be lost in the first place. Perhaps we shouldn't always wait for an apology because we might never get one. Perhaps we shouldn't wait on our ability to forgive because we might never discover it. Perhaps we shouldn't stew in our sense of being ignored for there's nothing that can be done to retrieve the past. A father had two sons, Cain and Abel, and so we realise that to kill an individual is not only to kill your brother, it's to kill a quarter of the world's population. We may have written off Cain, but he not only survives, he thrives. We may judge him as guilty, but even he has a story to tell. Cain committed fratricide, but that's not the sum total of who he is. The mark of Cain is a a mark of divine protection. If God can protect him, surely we can as well. Can we find it in our hearts to reconcile the human family? A father has two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. If either is sacrificed, then both are. Today, some of the children of Isaac and Ishmael can find themselves at odds or at war, as the Middle East shows us. Yet these two sons reunite at Abraham's death, and together they bury him. Ishmael's hand was against his brothers, but Ishmael here proves the prediction wrong. If Ishmael and Isaac can reconcile, perhaps their children can do the same. A father has two sons, Jacob and Esau, one who stole the birthright and blessing, and one who vowed murder and revenge. And yet, when Jacob, wounded from his wrestling at the Jabot River, encounters Esau, the two reconcile. A father has two sons. The details can be filled in and and filled in by any among us. The scriptures of Israel give us hope for the sons in Luke's parable. They should give us hope for our own reconciliations, from the personal to the international. We need to take account not only of our blessings, but also of those in our families and our communities. And once we count, we need to act. Finding the lost, whether they're sheep, coins or people, takes work. It also requires our efforts. And from those efforts, there is potential for wholeness and joy. Feeble 
But your heart is steadfast Your love is secure You have grace enough For my wayward heart Running out to me With your open arms You have grace enough For my wayward heart Running out to me With your open Let us pray. Loving God, thank you that you are ready to welcome us home whenever we wander away. In our prayers for others, we pray for those who face exclusion because of race, colour, sexuality or disability. Help us in our actions to imitate your inclusive love. We pray for all for whom home is not a safe place where instead it is a place of fear and violence. We pray for those far from home, seeking refuge in foreign lands, waiting for a time when it will be safe to return. We pray for those where home is a borrowed sofa, or worse still, a shop door, longing for a warm bed to call their own. We pray for those in fear of losing their home, for want of a secure job or enough to live on, seeking a certain future. We pray for those with a home to call their own, 
that they may never take this for granted, always mindful of those less fortunate. Help us, O God, to be people of welcome to all who need it. Amen. Each of you are loved and valued, blessed by God, cherished by God, beloved by God. So live happily, live freely, live wisely, and may God's love enfold you, and may God's joy fill you, and may God's mercy wash over you now and forevermore. The Food Bank Collection is from 1 to 2.30pm each Sunday at the front door of St Anne's Church. All donations are gratefully received. On Monday the 28th at 7.30pm in the Church Hall is the Craft Night. Again, all are welcome. Our Bible study meets at 7.30pm on Thursdays on Zoom. More information about that is on the website, including the link to join. The Guild Committee meets on Thursday the 31st of March at 7.30pm in the Church Hall. We'd like to invite you to an Easter fun day for all the family. It's free and it's on Saturday the 2nd of April from 10am until 2pm. That's in the Church Hall. There'll be crafts and games and activities for all the family. A light lunch will be on sale, but the event itself is free. And anyone who's volunteered to help with the coffee mornings, please meet on Wednesday the 6th of April in the Church Hall at 7.30pm.